Good afternoon, everyone. It's lovely to be invited to share and to share my thoughts and, and uh, reflection with you today. So I hope everyone is well. Um, first of all, we're going to read from Luke's Gospel, Luke chapter 10, verses 25 to 37. And there are Bibles here you can use or the words will appear on the screen. So let's read together now. Luke chapter 10, starting at verse 25. The parable of the Good Samaritan. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly. Jesus replied, do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away, leaving him for dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he travelled, came where the man was and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Amen and may God bless to us the reading of this, his most holy word. Let's just still ourselves in silence before God. The scene is set. An individual lying by the roadside, battered and bruised, a victim of abuse on so many levels, lonely and fearful. Passers-by are afraid to approach, reluctant to get involved in this drama. He's not the kind of individual to be associated with. She's one of them, not one of us. The location, the road to Jericho or the road through Glasgow. One of the biggest mistakes that we can make in 
reading Scripture is that we read it as a spectator. Often for us, the Gospels are a collection of stories for someone else. Events that took place thousands of years ago, true enough. We're reading about history, of course. But I wonder if these ancient stories are also our stories. And if we are in the narrative. You and I are Abraham, Martha, Moses, Jeremiah, Ruth, Peter, the Samaritan woman, Zacchaeus. And if we are prepared to accept it, are we also Christ-like? To read scripture as a mere spectator looking on is perhaps to miss the whole point of it, the purpose and significance of Jesus' teaching. Because scripture is our story too. Our gospel reading from Luke is no different. Each of us in our journey through life will travel his or her own Jericho Road. What will your experience be? What will be mine? Will I fail to notice others who've fallen and require help? Will you? Will I be the one who sees the injured, hears the plea, and yet crosses to the other side of the road? Will you? Or I wonder if I will be the injured person. Will we be from time to time lying by the roadside somewhere, metaphorically or otherwise? So what do we know about Jericho? Well, it it was a flourishing oasis located at the crossroads in the road network of ancient Palestine. The road leading to and from Jericho used by merchants, armies and Roman generals. This place has been important throughout history. It was a winter resort for the rich and people with status and, and money. Perhaps our equivalent to somewhere not unlike clusters where we might find our royal family or celebrities having a, an expensive winter skiing break. And in Jesus' time, Jericho, under Herod's rule, was prospering, really prospering. The construction of many large villas, villas was taking place in the production of expensive wines and spices and perfumes. A very affluent community indeed. In ancient Israel, this important road was also the border between two tribes, the tribe of Judah in the south and that of Benjamin in the north of the route. For almost 17 miles, this road was one of the main paths across the Judean desert. But this Jericho road was notorious, notorious for its danger and difficulty. Notorious not just for its difficult terrain, but also for the characters who frequented it, including thieves and robbers who hid in wait to pounce. But firstly, let's consider the context in which Jesus uses this location in Luke 10. The initial conversation in our reading has a familiar ring to it, a lawyer puts Jesus to the test 
Now, this man is not a lawyer in the contemporary sense of that term. Rather, this man has been trained not at law school, but in a religious seminary. He became a lawyer not by taking a bar exam, but by taking a Bible exam in which he had to demonstrate his ability of stringing complex sentences together and recalling verses about God's rules for life. It was a perfectly legitimate area of scholarship, but it did have one drawback. When you spend your life reciting rules, commands, statutes, and laws, you sooner or later conclude that the life of faith is all about doing certain things and not doing other things. A textbook life governed by strict rules. This man had spent his whole career pondering laws and regulations. There had to be some payoff for knowing all this, right? Given all of that, it's no surprise to hear this lawyer say to Jesus, Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? On this occasion, Jesus knows that if he plays into the lawyer's hand a bit, he can make a really strong point. The lawyer asks what to do. And so Jesus goes straight for what he knew this man already regarded as the biggest to-do list in the world, the law of God. Jesus responds with his own questions. What is written in the law? How do you read it? The lawyer takes the bait and quotes precisely from the law, from Deuteronomy and Leviticus. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus affirms the answer. Do this and you will live. But now the lawyer has another question. Who is my neighbor? Jesus responds this time, not with another question, but a story. The story of the Good Samaritan. So how do we inherit eternal life? The word inherit assumes a promise and perhaps we have a right to it. It builds on the view that God wants us to have this life, eternal life. It draws on the expectations raised in Jewish scripture. Eternal life includes everlasting life, but its focus is on quality, not on quantity. It's the sharing, the sharing of God's life. Indeed, how do we inherit eternal life? And is there a point at which we've done enough to secure it? A point in our lives when it's a done deal, signed and sealed. This is an important question for all of us. Jesus affirms here that to love God and to love one's neighbor is indeed the way to securing eternal life. Do this, he, he declares, and you shall live. These words are then echoed at the end of the passage. Go and do likewise. Meaning do what the Samaritan did. This commandment is the way to eternal life. 
Jesus' illustration of what the Samaritan did for the injured man gives us much to try to live up to. But here's the problem. Jews and Samaritans didn't talk to each other. A Samaritan helping, assisting, caring for a Jew in their time of crisis, impossible, unheard of. How do we inherit eternal life? Is it not enough to love people we like and associate with? People in our own circle, within our own comfortable network of humans? Not at all. This was an invitation for Jews to take care of Samaritans and Samaritans to take care of Jews, historic enemies. The them and us mentality. And perhaps still noticeable in our society today, them and us. We don't need to travel far from our own back yard to see divisions. They're all around us. Rich versus poor, religious bigotry, gender inequality, to name a few. Love God and love your neighbor. So what's the relationship between these two commandments? In many religious communities, including Christian communities, there's a real and practical tension between the two. I want to care. Yes, I want to care, but my priority and my loyalty must be to uphold what I believe. Or, believe it or not, I have heard it said, my devotion to Christ leads me to behave in a way that's destructive, in a way that's neglectful and excluding of others. The Bible, from Genesis to Revelation and everything in between can be interpreted in different ways, and it is. And this can lead to very diverse theological arguments and influences in our church today. After all, it's only 50 years ago that women were accepted by the Church of Scotland for ordained ministry. And at my recent assessment centre and interview, I was asked what my theology around women in ministry was. Well, let me think about that. And throughout the world, people devoutly committed to a God are often the cause of much hurt and conflict. History demonstrates that. They have a belief that restricts their acceptance of others. They love God, but not all their neighbors, it would seem. Do we love God or do we love our neighbor? Well, by loving your neighbor, you are loving God. That's the message that Luke has for us here. Who is my neighbor? The lawyer asked. In the end, Jesus says, never mind that. Are you a neighbor? Of course, the two questions are related. The implication of the parable is that indeed everyone is my neighbor, and that's why I must be a good neighbor to them. But the shift of emphasis reveals again Jesus' desire that we become bearers of love everywhere, everywhere we go. If our heart is full of grace, mercy, compassion, and love for both God 
and everyone else, then we won't ask who is my neighbor because it won't matter. The question becomes irrelevant if you are yourself already being a neighbor to someone on their Jericho Road. I recently met a young man who is on his recovery journey in terms of addiction. But his underlying mental health, heart and pain leads him to be abusive and sometimes violent towards the people around him in the residential unit he stays. After one episode, he said, why do you put up with me? When I'm hurting so much, I lash out. Why are you still here? It's the Christians every time. They never give up. I wasn't sure whether he was chastising me or thanking me. But all we can do is stand there and love him and love him more. Our parable isn't focusing on the perspective of the man in the ditch. Rather, Jesus brings our attention to the behavior of the Samaritan, whose example the lawyer is strongly, strongly advised to follow. The good Samaritan's neighborly compassion and mercy is the example of none other than God and God's agent, Jesus. For Luke, Jesus relates himself as a compassionate Samaritan. And this has huge implications considering what we know, as I've mentioned before, Jewish Samaritan hostilities. Such scandalous identification is typical of Luke's Jesus. Here Jesus calls the lawyer, who is a Jew, to act like a Samaritan. And Jesus isn't asking the lawyer to do anything that he's not prepared to do himself. This wasn't in the rules the lawyer knew so well. So, it is in the very offense of the image of the Samaritan as a Christ figure that the parable has its power for us and meaning. It's also worth a mention that showing compassion in Luke's, is Luke's understanding is a divine prerogative and a divine action. Compassion for Luke is only associated with God. So is this so is this Samaritan when he shows compassion on the man in the ditch understood to be God's agent a Samaritan a Jewish enemy being Christ-like them and us and how Jesus makes a subtle but significant point there is no them and us. We're called to love God and to love our neighbor on the road to Jericho and on the road through Glasgow. And we are here. We are here to do that. Since I joined you at this church just over a week ago, I've witnessed the love of Christ being shown to all. Someone walking into the cafe on Friday when I was here as a stranger and welcomed as a friend. We are here and there's lots to do in Christ's name.
On the 29th of November 2013, you may recall it, a police helicopter crashed into the Clutha Vaults, a pub in the north bank of the River Clyde in Glasgow. Ten people died as a result of the accident, all three who were on board the helicopter and six on the ground, and another person died a few weeks later. I was in Glasgow that night, out with my pals, having a good time. We were a few streets away, but quickly the news was spreading. Another group of people standing near us were frantically on their mobile phones, trying to get some news and clarity about what happened. Only minutes ago, a few of us headed in the direction of the Clutha. If the emerging details of the accident didn't make us upset, emotional, then the scene before us did. But some people were running towards the disaster to help out in any way they could. In actual fact, it was all becoming a bit of a policing nightmare because so many people wanted to help, running towards further potential danger and not away from it. Not passing by, but showing genuine concern for strangers. And that's how the people of and in Glasgow responded. There was no them and us in Glasgow that night. No football or religious divide that's often the reputation of this city. Before my eyes, there was a human chain of good Samaritans. A human chain. Carrying and passing on their shoulders the injured on a route away from the pub and into safety. The good Samaritan story played out before me on the stage set on Glasgow's Stockwell Street the painful and compassionate Jericho Road, Stockwell Street, Glasgow. And what are we to do? The parable of Jesus is inviting all of us to love God, and this is demonstrated by our love for anybody and everybody who's hurting on their own Jericho Road experience. Jesus says, go and do likewise. Be as Christ to others, irrespective of their tribe, their gender, religion, circumstances. Not getting involved in the events of the Jericho Road just isn't an option. Not stopping and passing by, just passing by isn't an option. If you ask me, can we avoid the Jericho Road as the injured man? No, in all probability, we can't. But I wonder if we experience our own version of the Jericho Road so that we know what it feels like. And when God places us there again in someone else's narrative, we are their neighbor, more comfortable in that role and equipped with our own life experiences and faith and trust in God, and we can help. So can we avoid the Jericho Road as a good Samaritan, showing the compassion of Jesus as God's agent? Definitely not. We seek out 
this road and go and be Christ to those in this community who walk that journey because we know and we love Christ. We are here and we are here to know and love him more for all the good news that brings, all the hope that comes from knowing God. The scene is set. An individual is hurting, struggling with life, and we are the first response out there on the Jericho Road in our society today. We can't make it go away, but we can make it safer. We can support those by the roadside. We are in the story. We are in the narrative. This is the moment of encounter as we see Christ in the face of a stranger and they see Christ in us. Amen. Let us pray together. God of love, give us a deep love for you so that we can see the world as you see it. Feel the compassion you feel and be people whose lives demonstrate your love to others. So open our eyes that we might see what the good Samaritan saw. Grant us the insight to see the need in others, the wisdom to know what to do and the will to do it. We acknowledge that we know what love is because you first loved us. We know what kindness is because you have shown us your kindness. We know what grace and forgiveness are because you have forgiven us. You find us on the roadside where we are and you send us out using that encounter with you so that others may know you better. You send us out to heal brokenness and tend to wounds. You give us peace even when the road ahead is unsafe, unfamiliar, unmanageable, and we have to face the unthinkable. We thank you, loving Father, one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. We conclude our worship with the band leading us in praise. <laughs> 